This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood movies. This week, we are starting our Christmas festivities in the month of Christmas uh, with a Muppet Christmas Carol to see if our nostalgia is warranted. So, this is my pick. So, I will do the 60-second synopsis. Does somebody have a timer ready? No. And go. Ah! No. <laughs> All right, give me a countdown, no. please. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one, go. In short, this is a Christmas story or a Christmas carol. Uh, different one. Anyway, so uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is a miserly moneylender who is visited by four, and in this case, five ghosts during the night. That of his previous business partners, that of the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future who show him why he became miserly. Uh, what life is like now with the people he interacts with most often, and what Christmas could be in the future if he maintains his ways. And this convinces him to be more free with his money and give back to the poor and also give people you know, a good salary. Uh, in the process, he saves his uh, Bob Cratchit, I don't know, his employees, <laughs> his Bob Cratchit, he saves an employee's son's <laughs> life. Uh, Tiny Tim survives and God blesses everyone, the end. Also Muppets. <laughs> wow <laughs> he's bob crash it yep <laughs> that's a sure uh you may have noticed i did not prepare this one because it <laughs> really is, it is a christmas carol yeah was, was i it was better wondering worse than my pocahontas that. one <laughs> like, i don't know probably worse when we were prepared i was looking for the games and i'm like how do you what yeah like, oh yeah you go I into tv guide and i'm too. like well it's christmas carol everybody knows this right? story so. all right let's let's get into long form what you guys notice as adults that you missed as children and let's get right into preparing for games i was very much the same category where this is such a simple story that everybody knows how do we mine this for humor i i love the credits because it's rizzo the rat as himself it's- yes and I yeah, will say that um, I did not screen. include any puns in my games this week because <gasps> the Muppets take care of that for us. It's they true. sure <laughs> do. Though they make fun of like the actual Dickens writing where it's like, oh, yes. there's more I, of I gravy wrote... than of grave of you. Yeah, she says, oh, um, what is, I wrote this down and he talks about how that's a terrible pun. Mm-hmm. But that's a direct, I, I, they. It is a direct quote from the There's book, so many, but... I, I. Well, all of us were have done a stage version of Christmas Carol um, together. Mm-hmm. And so I was really noticing how many direct quotes they use from this. And that's one of them more gravy and grave. That whole mm-hmm. scene is a direct quote. And then they make fun of how, oh, that's a stupid quote. But it's a direct quote. Right. This is and one so of the so most funny. faithful renditions there is. Uh, granted, there are Muppets in this, but it's just the Christmas Carol and story. I think that's what 
what makes it work so well, and Michael Caine specifically did that. He's, he said, I'm going to play it like this is the Royal Shakespeare Company. I'm going to play it completely straight. And I think that works so, so well is all of the humans are playing this totally straight. Yes. And then there's just Muppets added in. And I think that makes what makes it so joyful and so great is is it's not trying to be this stupid kids movie. It's trying to be this very faithful, joyful, loving adaptation of of Dickens. Which it's, we will probably get to that also when the spirit of Christmas future shows up. So, yes. <laughs> but so. I I think like because at one point I was looking up some articles and and there was a thing that Gonzo and Rizzo actually got added in as the narrators after well not maybe not afterwards but later in the process because they wanted to have it narrated with Dickens' actual words. Yeah, I think that's a a great thing. Now, in in our rendition that we did on stage, I don't think Dickens goes throughout, so maybe that was a certain adaptation. Uh, where previously Dickens just kind of introduces it and gives some lines throughout. He's not constantly there. Uh, but with Gonzo and Rizzo there, it gives you a nice through line. It lets you connect with Scrooge, and it gives a different perspective. But I want to go back to Michael Caine, because this is a different version of Scrooge than I have seen, in that they humanize him even at the beginning, even when he is supposed to be the most miserly and the most evil that we're not supposed to relate to him at all that should come later when he's visited by the ghost like in the very first song when they talk about scrooge they talk about how sad he is and how lonely his life must be and because it's michael kane and i've known michael kane as you know this kind of genial personality and other roles that he's done i can't see him as evil even in the beginning. I agree. Because I thought the same thing where in other versions that I have seen, Scrooge seemed a lot meaner and more of the evil personality at the beginning where this was just kind of like, he's a guy who's cranky and yells at people. (laughs) I kind of like that version because he's, I think if you have him too evil, the turnaround is too abrupt. Mm. And I think the fact that he's not an evil character, he, because he is this sad child who had these terrible circumstances that make him this hard-hearted person because he doesn't want to be hurt. And it's this idea of allowing yourself to be open to the joy of Christmas and, and the humanity of life and all this stuff. And so if you make him totally evil, well, then suddenly it comes out of nowhere. Well, and, and I, I thought think- that they they said in some of the songs and throughout the movie, it was, I, I feel like... This was a movie that was set at Christmas, but not about Christmas, because they spend a lot of time talking about finding your true love and Mm. being friendly with other people and stuff like that. They didn't really talk about the spirit of Christmas itself. I'm pretty sure every song mentions Christmas by name. When you find love with other people. I'm more with Carl. Like Christmas is about people and joy and stuff like that. I think it's. And and I they leave it out of this one more, and I think it's because it's a movie and it's short. So like, I would agree with you, Sarah. The background of Scrooge is pretty sad. That this is it is an abrupt change in Scrooge with him being this you know terribly evil guy at the beginning. But the break in that, the abrupt change, is the visit from the ghost, this yeah. supernatural thing that cracks the uh, his visage by showing him all these really sad things in his past, how he became the man he is today, that he's kind of buried down deep inside himself. 
he's locked away and these spirits are bringing them forward so that he can deal with them psychologically. Well, I think even in this one, again, compared to other versions where he was still hard hearted, even throughout like a cup, like the first spirit, he was just kind of grumpy and upset in other versions. And in this yes. one, he was just right away. It was like, oh, show me more. He, this is really opening my heart he, to new ideas. In this version, he does try to like straight up murder a bunny, though. Well, he throws a by wreath throwing at a wreath at it. Well, yeah. Well, he like you know, throws him into that. You probably saw this too. Yeah. Well, he but also I chucks saw, out a but, Muppet who's come to talk about his mortgage. Well, the thing about the bunny though is that Bean Bunny apparently is like their go-to beat 'em up Muppet. Like beat every every yeah. Muppet movie has that as like their little in joke is that is that bean is the one that gets picked on throughout the movie so they yeah. just continued that in oh. this one i wanted to talk more <laughs> about the, the muppet in jokes because i was kind of expecting more of them i maybe got more on a second viewing i will tell you the first time i watched this movie was was tuesday and i did not like it that much now i've rewatched it the first time you've Seen it as an adult, the yes. The first time you've seen it ever. Oh, no, as no, an adult. no, as, as an adult. Not the first time I, you've seen I saw it, it as a child. Okay. I gave it another rewatch today because the Muppets are so close to my heart. And it, it became better for me because I knew what to expect out of it. And I was able to see, I, I was able I, to watch it without taking notes. And I got more of like the inner jokes with all of the, uh, the Muppet side characters doing their thing in this setting. Yeah, I I would agree too though. Like like the first time I watched it twice also and the first time I mean it was a good movie still and I remembered all the songs. I don't I didn't remember the words, but the tunes to oh, them see. I could remember. But then the second time through I could just sit and watch it and it made like there were more of those jokes and little things that I caught. I like background I little... things and words like the names of stores in the background oh, yeah, they actually have a lot relate of to the like Muppets that. themselves. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like they have a Stantler and um, Statler Waldor. and Waldorf haberdashery. Stantler. That's okay, Sarah. As a child, I called him Waldor and Staldor. No, Stantler is a Pokemon, and I've been playing Pokemon Go again. Sorry. Um, anyway, but my background is a little different. As in, this is my family's Christmas movie. We watch this every year, so I have seen this every year since I was a child. Like, so I don't have that like gap in between Mm -hmm. and so i always put this in a category as i don't consider this like a muppet movie with the other muppet movies i put this in a weird category by itself with a muppet treasure island and they're like a separate category of muppet movies where they're not they don't have the in jokes they're just classic movies with muppets in them yes and i think that's why i didn't connect with it on my first viewing because i wanted to see the muppets and this isn't the muppets because i it's Muppets I love playing them other more, characters. And I wish there was more of them. I'm sad that there's only the two. I wish there was like 10 of them. Like yeah, I think classic. it would be fun to see more of these. I don't. I would agree with Carl, though. Like the actual Muppet movies where they come up with it from scratch on their own, you get a lot more of their kind of humor instead right. of just trying to throw um, jokes into the story. To me, the charming thing about the Muppets is that it's this ragtag group of performers trying to put on a show where you have musicians, you have the terrible comedian, you have the circus act and you have the hosts trying to keep everything together. 
that works really well. When you put them inside another narrative, they become completely different characters. I'm not sure every single one of them shines through. I don't, I don't have a comment to that because I didn't see that, so I don't. Okay. I did see though that the puppet. Now this is getting a little bit ahead of wherever we are now, but the no, puppet. How we haven't even puppet, started the plot. It's true. The puppet that they use for Tiny Tim. I, is that I don't know where this comes in, but in Muppet Genealogy, apparently it is Kermit's nephew. Oh, yeah. So. He, he does the. Isn't he the one who does the staircase song? I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know. <laughs> While we are talking about songs, part of what I didn't get into my first viewing was the songs of this thing because. <gasps> We will talk about it. Oh, we will talk oh, about it. Oh. Let me let me get my Sorry. point out, and then you can argue and beat me down with a stick uh, for the next but, two hours. Oh, also, but, I'm right. Robin the Frog yeah, does I do halfway Robin. down the stairs. Okay, yeah. Well, so the music is what they are adding to this story because so much of it is a faithful rendition. What they are adding is these songs, and these songs, the lyrics are a little clunky. They're not very melodic. You're wrong. They You're wrong. They have catchy parts to them, but overall All of it, is it doesn't really no. go, you know, verse chorus verse chorus like you would expect in maybe a more popular music type of song. Uh, the, it's all kind of the spectacle. I don't think the songs stand alone on their own. You're wrong. They fit into the narrative <laughs> and they have more of a spectacle going and on around them. You're yeah, 200% no, wrong. No, I agree with that. You're somewhat. both wrong. I like the music, but You're I feel like 500% in, wrong. as a musical, the story is just weird because you know the story You're and then there's just this random wrong. song thrown yeah. in that you're not as, expecting. So, like, they're as not the about the story, they're not progressing the story. All of you combine. You don't need to progress, but they do progress the story. You're all wrong. I have the musical background, therefore I am right. <laughs> right, you're the only right. one. You're the only one who's <laughs> ever in the world has music. Doesn't matter if you're in a musical. I have the musical education. I am right. <laughs> you did not go to school for music. I'm just no, going to point that out. I have musical training since I was in elementary school. Have and when was seen? the last time you were in that? What really annoys me but, but in a lot of musicals... Right. The music is the best. What annoys me in a lot of musicals is that they'll start a song and then they'll interrupt it with either dialogue or a dance break. It's not for me. I get the musicals do it. <laughs> and then, like, they'll sing another part and then it's interrupted <laughs> again. Then they'll sing another part. Like, yeah, the song doesn't work. continue throughout. I want to hear a song. I want something so I could listen to the soundtrack of and I don't think I could do this because it relies so much on the visuals so to go along with it. So if the song isn't A, B, A, B, C, B, they, you it don't want it. It doesn't have to be that way, but like... But that's literally what you just said. <laughs> yes, it, I, it doesn't I, fit I, that, and like, it's a good starting point, and none of the songs fit that. Yeah, they're great. They're the best. I literally have the entire soundtrack on my phone. Actually, and what I, that was another thing. I apparently did more research on this than most of the movies we watch. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I saw was that the soundtrack actually includes a few songs that were not on the final version of the film. Yeah, there's two. So, it, um, I, and those I have no idea about because I haven't listened to them. But the the, the charity people have a song, and uh, Sam the Eagle has a song, and I haven't listened to those. But no, I love all of the music. I think it's a hundred percent the best. It makes me happy when I hear it, and because 
I'm the girl. I get to be ah. <laughs> right. right. Well, I think as no. a Christmas movie, it again to yes, me, it it, I, what I said earlier, it feels like it's a movie that's set in Christmas, mm-hmm. but they kind of changed it to be more set about the love you feel at Christmas rather yeah. than the okay. about Christmas Point itself. Of the Christmas Carol. What? Let's right. Christmas. I know. I know. It's about being about a person. If you compare yeah, right. the songs in this film to other Christmas carols, like. Right. Christmas carols Christmas usually have, have more of a theme to them. Like, they draw you in more. I'm not really drawn into what this a, music. That's because you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, like, fans, also... One of our fans wrote a thing that says Carl is always wrong, and that fan It is was correct. you! It was you! <laughs> they were <laughs> quoting you! Yeah, but that fan made it, and that fan was right. And I don't care that that fan was also my sister. So yeah, that that's what correct. I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I I okay, liked the I songs to... more on a second watch, but I still don't think no. like I want to put it on with other Christmas carols. And I don't th- there oh, is no. a few. I think the only one really that I would listen to at Christmas time was the one about it's the last sleep before Christmas. The that Kermit is song? good. I also sense. that is not my favorite. Song. I also like the but song Christmas that Kermit song does with his song or does with his son as he is walking back. That's from actually church. my least favorite yeah. song. And You're it lasts right. for like oh, twenty seconds. His, his, oh no no. <laughs> Where he's like, I thought you were boxing. talking about the one they sing at the dinner table. No 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 his, no no. The bum 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 song is really good. The one at the Christmas table is my least favorite. I would say my favorite song is the one that Christmas Present sings. Oh, you're wrong. <laughs> no, that's my least favorite because he has. Are you serious? He doesn't have a good voice. So much of it is like yes, he does. instead of he's, projecting these. He's, he's the count. Christmas, like that's the way he yeah. sings. He is no. Yes. You're wrong. Anyway, no, you're we're going to ignore the music for the moment, and we're yeah. going to get to my first note, which yes, means literally nothing, and you're yeah. going to laugh at me, but you're also going to think it's a very me note, is the fact that they're selling the apples, and they're like, we have Macintosh apples, and we have Lord Delish apples, and that is not what they're selling. Those are definitely either Fuji or Gala apples. Okay. None I'm, of those are Red Delicious apples. I didn't notice apples uh, as to what, <laughs> like genus or species they were I, I did notice that rizzo is terrible at apple economics because he's eating their product to uh drive oh. up the price oh. because of scarcity so we've talked about the fact that i a lot of times pick out which character is me yes rizzo is me he is sarcastic he does not care about what's going on and he, he loves jelly constantly. beans and he's he a rat eats- but he eats constantly through the whole thing. He's eating bread. He's eating jelly beans. It's he's true. eating apples. Yes. Rizzo is me. Yes. So when but- you hear nibbling throughout the podcast, it's usually Sarah. It's all. Don't please. I I'm not actually. I know, but like no, the you lips- don't because that's a joke. I know, but the lip smacking is just all so bad to listen to. I'm not actually eating. That was a joke. Okay. I okay. do have food here, but I'm One not. One thing eating that I I did really appreciate both viewings is how. The the, the Henson the Henson company is so good at just filling the screen with thousands of puppets, or in this case, probably and, hundreds, but still. But they're always doing something. Yes. yes. You get so many puppets moving, you get so many different types of puppets. It's never static. Everything is alive and talking at once. And it's it's beautiful. In fact, like and- Watching were, it a second time, I noticed how much of the puppetry 
I don't understand how they're doing this, but it's still, Mm -hmm. it looks amazing because they have a full bodied rat, like dancing around at points or like jumping and being on a windowsill. And is this stop motion? Is this like actual hand puppetry? Is this marionette? I don't know, but it looks great. Yeah, because there's there's stuff, you know, like, oh, there's a table there. The person is hiding behind a table, stuff like that. Yeah. But then you're like, where's the person? Where is the person? How are they doing this? Is there somebody in the suit? Yeah. Like um, when you would watch Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, how they have the hobbits look yeah. A lot smaller than the humans, they do like some of those force perspective, perspective yeah. tricks yeah. and stuff. Which I noticed in a few scenes where you would see all Muppets on one half of the screen and all humans on the other half. <laughs> which I, at first I was a little confused about until I started thinking about how they're trying to lay it out so they all look kind of the same size. But, but this definitely is a movie where you remember why Henson Company is the best at what they do. Oh yeah, and why they're they're brought in for. I mean the um shoot what is their factory called their separate thing oh the i don't know the other i just know the gym oh the gym oh, henshin's yeah, creature shop the creature is what, it's, what i know yeah of. yeah uh but um, yeah they've but done yeah, so why they've th- done like the teenage mutant ninja turtles they did yeah, like the storyteller but, with john hurt they'll, they'll they do yeah, it's, like it's, everything yes it's 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 things like this they're they're actual things it reminds you why even stuff that isn't Jim Henson specifically, why they're brought in to do other stuff because they mm-hmm. are the best at what they do. Yes. And 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 it's like you kind of forget that they're puppets because all of these puppets look different. They're doing different things. They It's like they're real. They all have background their own personality, especially yeah. when you have the same person working the puppet for so many years. They kind of mm-hmm. know exactly what to do. Well, when you're looking at like the background suit scenes, they're not all just doing the same background action. You have mm-hmm. one that's sweeping, one that's selling stuff, one that's huddled in the wall being like a, a yeah. popper in the street corner. They're all doing different like extra actions that you humans would be doing, mm-hmm. but they're puppets. Right. Also like for the scenes where there's a lot of action, like uh, one more sleep to Christmas, they are closing up shop. You get so many little scenes of them doing one tiny thing where I have to imagine each one of these little things maybe took like an hour to set up and you get like 10 of them in succession. Just like the amount, the density of puppet work in this is astonishing. It's like we talked about with um, chicken run with the claymation about, how intricate the detail mm-hmm. is on everything and how and how different the scale of the puppets are because you go all the way from the giant puppet for um christmas, christmas present present into the tiny little mice puppets and into, how small those are and it's all over the place into how- the horrifying murder child that is christmas past <laughs> she's i really like christmas past she's but how they did it is really cool yeah. they made a waterproof puppet and it's actually a puppet in water that they then um, green screened on, and so it's it's like the water mermaidy effect. That yes, I think we will cool. we'll be okay, getting so into each my, individual ghost, but go ahead. So one of my things we talked in past movies about how easy it is to tell when Jim Cummings is talking. Mm. I have a new one, <laughs> Frank Oz. You can always find Frank Oz because mm-hmm. there is a couple of just random like street vendors and yeah. stuff that when you talk to them, like, hey, look, it's fuzzy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, of course. I know. Most that notably, too. like at the very first song, the, the vegetable merchant is like, oh, of course. Yeah. 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 So, so or, or I wanted to talk about where, like sounds slightly like Yoda. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about 
So Frank Oz is very get into easy everything to pick up. in the pieces of this story. Is that I went into this knowing nothing. I haven't seen this movie in years. Um, so I was interested to see like what parts each Muppet would play. And it was curious to me that like for the the, the major parts of this film, which is Scrooge and the three ghosts, that's the parts that everybody remembers, they're not famous Muppets. Other famous Muppets are taking parts. But, like, these are completely new yes. characters. This is a person we haven't seen before in this universe. And I wasn't ready for that. I was expecting, oh, they'll use the major Muppets for these major roles, and they just don't. They were going to originally. It was going to be Gonzo, Miss Piggy, and maybe Fozzie. I don't remember who with the third one. They were going to have Muppets because they were going to have Gonzo be Christmas yet to come and mm-hmm. have just the nose sticking up. And I think we've talked about choices that were good ideas. And I think that was a good idea because I like the fact that they play this movie very straight. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of things Mm -hmm. that they could have muppified it. And I think it would have taken away from the message and made it just goofy instead of adding the Muppets and having some of the jokes and having Kermit as Cratch and stuff. The way it all comes together with a lot of the humans playing everything really straight, I think in the end turns it into something very heartwarming. And I think... Some of the choices they could have made would have crossed over the line and made it very goofy. Mm. And I think the choice of playing the ghosts pretty straight, the way they did that, the, yes, they're puppets, but they did them pretty straight puppets, especially with Christmas Yet to Come, just doing it the robes and making it pretty terrifying. Like, that oh, scene scared me as a child. Yeah. Also, and it should be, like... Well, we'll get into it, but go ahead. But I think that was a good choice. If it had been Gonzo in a robe being like... Hey, guess what? You're gonna die. Yeah. I don't think you could have taken that scene seriously. I think it would have been pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I think Miss Piggy being like, hey, look, you were a, a poor abused child. I think I can't do a Frank God's voice. Someone do a Frank God's voice. <laughs> mm. Mm. You're going to be murdered. Yeah, like, I don't think you could have taken those scenes as seriously. I think you would have had, like, a Miss Piggy voice and Michael Caine crying. And this scene scene would have been the most ridiculous scene in the history of Muppet movies, and that would be saying something. (laughs) Right? Like, that would be... Yeah, I mean, playing it straight definitely, like, it played into the story better. But if if you're trying to sell this is the Muppets... And the Christmas Carol, like, I think it leans more towards the Christmas Carol than it does the Muppets. But I think that's the point. And it was a choice that they made. I don't necessarily, it's not what I was, not what I bought into on my first watch. So my expectations did not meet the reality. I'm not saying the reality is bad. I just went in with, with different expectations than what was there. But this came out in 92. And so this wasn't necessarily a time period where you needed literally every character to be a Muppet because we weren't at the point like where there when did the remake of the Muppet show come out I don't know I couldn't tell. but Muppets in Space was coming around well, I think this in... was the first big movie they did after Jim Henson died yes, it was. but but we had in the 90s we did have other Muppet movies we had the Muppet show Revamp did come out sometime in the 90s. Um, Muppet other... Babies. <laughs> Muppet Babies. 
So, so there were other Muppet things still happening. So it wasn't like this dry spell of Muppets where you really, really needed to play in the nostalgia. Everything needed to be a Muppet because, because, because if they didn't, like, you had to feed that need for mm-hmm. Muppets because there hadn't been Muppet things in a really long time. Like, when the the new Muppet movie yeah. came out, there had been a huge dry cell. The only thing you really had had was Sesame Street was still on, but not necessarily as much. There hadn't been things for a while, so you had to... Everything had to be Muppets, Muppet, Muppet, because... Yeah, because it, it, we had such a scarcity of that. I, I get yeah. that. And maybe seeing this movie with a bunch of the other things coming out at this time, maybe it's it certainly is interesting to see the Muppets not be themselves and to take on mm-hmm. roles in a classic literature story. I get that. That that makes a lot of sense to me. But going back and watch it now, I am in that scarcity where I haven't seen Muppet properties in years. And Did you so, watch the... I didn't. Um and so yeah i couldn't remember the name of the second one i saw the muppets i didn't see the jail one yeah i haven't either and so like maybe again it's my expectations <laughs> someone can tell me myself. what the jail one is called yes right in uh peel box 925 that's not a real thing 8675301 that's the one all right let's get into the the story of this thing uh because we've been dancing around it why don't we go uh, let's see. So my only notes before we get to ghosts uh, is that I really liked one of the puns they do in the office with the the oh. bookkeepers begging for heat from Scrooge, oh, which is okay. my assets are frozen. <laughs> so this whole scene, I don't know why as a child, this scene just struck a chord with me and my sister and some of our childhood friends. But constantly we quoted this scene where they asked for to light the fire more. And they do that thing where he yells um, something about how would they feel about being unemployed? And they go, um, this is my island in the sun. Oi, oi. Yeah. I don't know why we quoted that constantly, but we did. We did the this is my island in the sun all the time. Uh, I also love this scene because this is where we introduce uh, Beaker and Dr. Bunsen Honeydew into the thing. And I noticed for the first time that Dr. Bunsen Honeydew has no eyes. He's just <laughs> a pair of glasses. <laughs> You've never known that before? No, like I haven't seen the Muppets in years. <gasps> also, the Beaker is the cousin it of this universe and I love it. I will say that Three-fourths of my notes for this movie is just quotes I really like, which one of the other ones is Rizzo's line of, thank you for letting me be a part of this when you get to light the oh. I do quote that one at people sometimes, too. The one that I really liked is that Scrooge is, in this scene, mean to two different people, throwing out a um, somebody who's come to oh, say, it's like... Part. What? Except it was the wrong name. It, anyway. it is the wrong name, but it is you. It is the you. It was of the part that movie. I played when we did the oh, show right, on stage. Right. Yes, it yes. Is. So he throws this guy out on the street. While and he's then, still like, talking. He throws a wreath at a bunny, and both of them. Which is say, hilarious. He just chucks it. Even after Scrooge being so mean and throwing them out, they're like, thank you for not yelling, sir. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, speaking of parts we played, I this There's beginning really scene, good, like, I just kept thinking of the one line I had in this, which was, he's <laughs> a heartless old sinner, ain't he? <laughs> There's some really, like, deadpan humor in this, where, like, Michael Caine just, like, n- no emotion, no what, just picks up the guy and just flings him out the door, <laughs> says nothing, just, <laughs> and there's, the, oh, when Gonzo... 
Oh, it's, I guess maybe when they get to the house where yes. Gonzo falls. Oh, I was thinking of the one where he gets hit by the door and his nose collapses oh, yeah. into his mouth. Is, is that, it's whatever one where he falls and Rizzo's like, uh, Mr. Dickens, are you okay? Charlie, speak to me! <laughs> and he just sits straight up, starts talking, and he's like, he didn't break anything. It didn't even break his concentration. Yeah. And it's just this very weird moment where Gonzo sits straight up, wide eyes, and just starts speaking. Well, and it's, and at oh. the before anything, like, when they're talking about the story... Mm-hmm. And Rizzo's never heard it, apparently, something oh, like right. that. And Gonzo says, oh, well, I know it like the back of my hand. My that hand. is the most memorable thing. I remember that from a oh, child. Yeah. It's, from a it's, child. It's got, it's got a mole, blah, blah, blah. Not your hand, the story. <laughs> I can quote the majority of And I remember, of um, I think when I was younger, I had to ask somebody why that was funny the <laughs> first time. Because I didn't <laughs> understand what was happening. But it, it's funny. Yeah, so it's good times. have... Have you both seen Muppet Treasure Island? Uh, yes. A long time ago. Yeah, okay. it's been a so, while. So there's a line in this movie, and it's when they're at the house, and Gonzo says something about um, he had to turn on the lights. Mm. And, and, it, and right as he says that, the lights turn on. And Rizzo says, how does he do that? And I think it's really interesting, and I don't know if it's on purpose, but it directly mirrors something that happens in Muppet Treasure Island with the landlady is the landlady constantly predicts things happening mm. and they go, how does she do that? And I just but, thought it was yeah, a really funny thing. It's funny, line. but like five seconds before that, he was just explaining to Rizzo how the narrator knows everything about yeah. the story. Right. I, I, so. I just thought it's a funny thing that it's a line that they use in both of those movies. Yeah, I was curious as to what plane of existence Gonzo exists on because he just, he gets ignored when he wants to, but he can still talk to characters and occasionally characters see him and like he can't go through doors, but he understands everything that's going on. Gonzo is magic. And an alien. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah, he is an alien. Yes. That's the thing. This is foreshadowing Muppets in space. Foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Sorry, that's they, something they in knew. English they already had. Constantly. They already had Muppets in space planned out. <laughs> Charles Dickens is an alien. What? <laughs> uh, I so... knew it all along. Let's let's get into the Marley's scene where yeah, and Marley, Marley and Marley. See, that this might be my one, favorite song of this the song. Show. I like really because it was succinct. It was closed. It progresses the story because this is a part and of him being visited by a ghost. I think it being a Muppet movie, it's nice too that it has it's a funny song and kind of makes fun of it also, rather than being like we're creepy ghosts coming to scare everyone. Marley like and the Marley kids wouldn't get too scared at it. To are the perfect casting, yeah. for uh, for Statler and Waldorf. Learn Waldorf, yeah. Um, also, this scene also has another line I really like, which is when Rizzo asks, says, "This is scary. Should we be worried about the kids?" And Gonzo says something about, no, this is culture. Yeah. Uh, what I liked is that traditionally you have one Marley, which is Jacob Marley. And when we were doing A Christmas Carol, I kept confusing two roles of Bob Cratchit and Jacob Marley and calling him Bob Marley, which is not who this guy <laughs> is. But this movie inserts Robert Marley, which I think is an inside joke for Bob Marley. Probably. Also, every time, like... In a non-Muppet Christmas Carol, someone talks about just one Marley. I always just say Marley and Marley, woo. Marley and Marley. people look at me weird yes. if they haven't seen Muppet Christmas Carol. I just uh. think it's it's weird because they come in there to be 
I thought in the original story, he Marley is there to talk Scrooge into being a better person or whatever. No, just... But this one, they're like, oh, we are here to heckle you because yeah. that's what we did when we were alive. And then they're he's... just making jokes and laughing at him the whole time. He's not really there to tell him to be a better person. He's just there to tell him was, that the other ghosts are coming. I thought it was a warning. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a warning that says, hey, we did bad stuff. Right. We're covered in chains. Also, hey, these three other ghosts are coming. They're coming at this time. Be prepared for it. Yeah, it's... I was just Be like prepared. you. Death is not great for me. You should change your ways. These ghosts will help. Here they come. Yeah. So he doesn't do any of the real like you should be better stuff. Mm-hmm. He's kind of just like the intro. Yeah. Though in a Christmas Carol, I keep wanting to say a Christmas story, which is a different thing. Very different. Thing. Yeah. So in a Christmas. Hey, but Carol, it does also have a musical version. Yeah. Uh, I think Jacob Marley comes back to to warn him, and he was a friend in life because they were very similar. But like, he doesn't seem to be. He doesn't seem you to be friend. friends with these guys because Statler and Wardoff just heckle him constantly. I think that's more because they. Yeah, because, because it's Statler and Waldorf, and that's what yeah. they do. <laughs> But I like the fit. Like I don't, I don't know how they decide which characters are going to be which. But those two are good for that part. It's for a some great reason. casting, and like I liked Fozzie as Fozzie Wig, and that one just makes sense because yeah, the name is close perfectly. to the. <laughs> also, it meant that when I we did Christmas Carol, I could not say Fozzie <laughs> ever. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, just the Fozzie Wigs now. So let's let's keep moving. Let's go into the first here's, ghost, which is this horrible, another thing. uncanny no, valley esque murder. She child. was adorable. I loved her. I thought she was a cute little fairy. I always thought she was creepy looking. I I, I have a note here that she is some creepy, no face esque child replica. I thought she was a cute little fairy thing. I don't know if she's as creepy as the one from the Jim Carrey version, but I've never seen the Jim not. Carrey version. Probably because I thought. The weird CGI Jim Carrey was terrifying. Yeah, so I didn't yeah, want to the watch cold, it. Dead eyes of Polar Express. <laughs> I never saw Polar Express either oh, for similar reasons. I, the cold, dead eyes of Tom Hanks. Yeah, so it's just Tom Hanks. it's it's well done. It's probably the best they could do at this time. But for me, it's just it's so uncanny yeah. valley. When yeah. this thing blinks, it drives me insane. No, the effect it is really good. Me. It's really well done effect. It's just that the character itself just looks okay. so off that it's yeah. creepy. So I'm gonna compare it to something that Mark is also probably gonna think I'm a crazy person for thinking it's adorable. I already the think tiny that. Madame Leota doll Aww. that you see at the exit. <laughs> Of Haunted Mansion. I always, it says, uh, Everybody loves her. I thought that was adorable. I thought it was adorable and cute, and that's what it reminded me of. And so I thought it was adorable. Uh, I thought it was adorable little fairy child. No. And I thought it was cute. Like so. the first time I watched it, I couldn't look at it directly. The second time was was easier. And like, I can appreciate the effect that is going on here. I still think the face is terrifying. Mm-hmm. We'll agree to disagree on this one. I won't tell you you're wrong on this one. Okay. Because I do kind of get where you're coming from. You're still wrong on the music. Fair. (laughs) Uh, So we go to his past. We visit his schoolroom where he chose his profession. There's a part before this I have to mention, which is the chicken. Oh, what chicken? Is that Gonzo picks up a lady while they're flying. Oh, does he? He's like, when they're they're flying flying through the jump out the window. they, They pick up a chicken and he's like, hey, this is such and such. And I'm like, 
keeping keeping with characterization yeah. that Gonzo likes chickens. Yes. Also, He's we'll come to sexual. it, but during the Fazuig scene, like chickens walk past and Gonzo can't keep his eyes off of them. Yeah, he's like, yeah. Uh, I just my, thought that, that's a funny. My thing. note here, when they were flying through the um, the night sky to get to the past, there are so many lights on at one a.m. in this London town. Like, nobody is asleep here. Everyone is just wide awake in this night shift, I do apparently. Think, I do think that scene is really pretty cool looking. Yes. Of them going through the sky. Yes. So it's let's, just nice. Let's get to the past. We go to their schoolroom. We see him as a boy. Sam the Eagle shows this, up. This scene it makes me really sad yeah. where she's like, and time goes on and everything ages and, and suddenly your childhood's gone. And I'm like, like Sarah can relate. He is a lonely child who spent every Christmas at school, and, I guess. Is this a and, boarding and this school? Is, yeah, and, and this is even cutting out the saddest parts of his childhood from the book. Because in the book, like, his father's in debtor's prison. Mm-hmm. Like, See, they never come to pick him up. He didn't really have a can't. home to go home to. Yeah. yeah. So. And, and so it could have been a whole lot sadder. And it was still sad. Like, they cut out the whole thing about his sister and then his sister Yeah, I dying. thought he had a sister. Yeah. This, like, yeah. Well, he has to. He has a nephew. Right. <laughs> the nephew didn't appear out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, this... <laughs> I mean, the nephew could have been from right, a brother. Right, but, like... I mean, yeah, but they, they cut out They do not parts. address any family relations except for this nephew. Like, and it's kind of like Scrooge McDuck's yeah. and Huey, Dewey, and Louie. We, we don't know that connection. At least we didn't know it for I mean, years. They're from the comics. It's just no one cared about the comics. Except in, like, the 40s, I think. But I think, I mean, it, it would have made the movie a lot sadder, right. I think, if they added yeah. those. And but I think it also helped sad shorten scene. it up. Because yeah. for yeah. kids' movies, you can't let it drag on for so long like but some of the other versions. that is still a pretty... And I think it's part of... Michael Caine does some real great face acting in these scenes in Christmas Past. Like... It is sad. He has some sad faces. Okay, he does do some sad faces. You're right, uh, especially that's what I mean by face acting. One weird. Well, okay, yes, I disagree because uh, we've mentioned it before. He could have done more face acting in the beginning to seem more sinister, and he doesn't. See, I think he's pretty sinister. No, he's smiling. He's laughing at people. Now, mm-hmm. granted, it's impolite to be laughing at these people, but we still see him see, laughing and not sneering. And that's the thing, he see, wasn't supposed to, at the at end of the movie, or the end of the book or whatever, they they describe it as a sound that they didn't know what the sound was at uh, first, oh, because like he hasn't hinge? laughed in so long, he had forgotten how. I don't remember so why he was laughing. I did notice that, that but, it was weird that he was laughing at the beginning, because he's not supposed to remember yeah. how to do that. All right. But they don't mention it in this, so it doesn't matter. So let's, See, I didn't, let's I didn't go on to, to but... Fozziewig and his part. No, no, because you're going to miss out on my favorite line from Sam the Eagle, All right. which is when he talks about business yes. and it's the American way, <laughs> and then he yeah. gets corrected by Gonzo, it's the British way. Right, so like Gonzo's on this other plane of existence, have been ignored <laughs> this entire time, and then he just whispers in this guy's ear, and it's like, oh, of course you've been there, I've just been ignoring you. And then after Sam corrects himself to the to the British way, he turns and around, it, looks around like, who said that? Where'd they go? Yeah, <laughs> but it, it makes no sense, I don't understand how it works, 
but it is a really, really funny moment. And he does, it's the American way, stops, corrects himself, yeah. it's the British way. And young Scrooge just kind of makes this face like, okay, yeah. I guess. I didn't really, Sure. young Scrooge doesn't do a lot. And like, and there's like five of them. Yeah, but like the young Scrooge that talks to Sam Diego is just like, yes, sir, of course, sir. He just he he makes these faces kind of like this man is crazy and I don't know why I'm here, which is really funny in the scene because I mean he is talking to yeah he's talking an imaginary to a person. I imagine I would act much the same if I were to talk it's true. to him about that. The the only young Scrooge that really does anything is the next one. Yeah, who gets dumped. Okay, so Fozzie Week Party. I liked uh, that they incorporated the musicians from the Muppets into this with Animal uh, losing control and starting a beat and like really getting the party going. Yeah, and they have the Swedish chef yes. with with Gonzo trying, not Gonzo, uh, Rizzo trying to yeah. go get Though, the food and then it's just talking crazy. Another realization I had, which really upset me, is that the Swedish chef is like the only Muppet with real human hands. Well, you kind of have to because he needs. Yeah, but not like human hands. The Christmas present ghost. I would guess it's just because he needs more dexterity. But like, they're not covered in felt. They are human hands. Yes. But back to that, I guess it's because his sketches. You need the dexterity to do the food. I I get it. It's just like I had that realization. It was like, oh, this is creepy now. Sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry you had that. Yeah. That. Hand horror. <laughs> Hand horror. I like it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yes. Another line I I think they ripped straight from Dickens that I really liked in Scrooge's description of Fozziewig was uh, he was as hard and ruthless as a rose petal. Yes. I I didn't hear it the first time, but I, I heard it today when I was watching I think that is a great use of language. Again. It's very adorable. I have another note I do not understand. Mm-hmm. Shoot, I suppose I should be grateful for that. Oh, nope. Yep, I remember that what that is. That was another Rizzo thing. That's Rizzo when he gets <laughs> yeah, shoved gets... in the water. Oh, yeah. And then he gets smacked. And yes. then he smacks him against to um, defrost him. So this is a thing that I saw Why is the more. Lamp, not the rat. I saw more on the second watch. Is these. That Rizzo gets beat these up. These are like background things that aren't important to the plot that they insert and they work so well this one is given more of the foreground so you definitely notice it but also i think maybe it's more in the present like creatures in the background are moving and like there's side jokes there creatures in the foreground that you're not focusing on especially this party scene are doing things and like this is something that the muppets is adding that i loved in that he lights Rizzo's tail on fire, trying to light the street light. He dumps him in a bucket of water, which he supposes he should be grateful for. And then in like the next scene on the inside, he's bringing Rizzo in on a stick because he is frozen solid and he has to smash him on the table to get him awake again. Yeah, like this whole says, scene, like this whole sequence of events is great. Rizzo gets beat up so much in this movie. It's... Uh... I like it. Light the lamp, not the rat. (laughs) Light the lamp, not the light. What? The other one. (laughs) Wait, stop that, reverse it. So so after this scene, the party scene. Yes. Please elucidate us. Okay, so this is the one scene that has a theatrical cut that then gets put back into the movie later. And then got cut again. Well, kinda and kinda not. They just have two versions on the TV yeah. that they don't explain for 
I don't know why. It's weird. Anyway, so it's the scene well, where Belle breaks up with Scrooge. And there's a song in it called When Love Is Gone that Belle sings to say that the relationship is not working. And this is a song I really love. I've had arguments with people about the song. I like it. And I think for, for whether you like it or not, the song should be there just for transition reasons. Because without it, the scene... They, they go Even from, without it, they should have transitioned differently. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be a sad scene, but they go from her just saying something about how you lost your love, or something, you switched to a love of money long ago, and she walks away, or something. So and then everybody is sobbing, and it doesn't make sense. So with the song, it makes a little more sense, but the song itself, I don't really like. So as far you, as, like, you switch your love to money, maybe something from the novel or the version we did. The lines here yes. is Scrooge turns to her and says i love you she says well you used to you used oh, to yes, and she gets up one. and walks away Ooh. and that's the scene and okay so they originally had that and brian henson who's the director and obviously the son of jen henson thought it was really important and i don't remember who decided to take it out it was someone else i think maybe the producer and because they Somebody thought, it was, thought too, it was too sad it was too <laughs> sad and so they took it out they put it back in for the VHS copy, which is what I had. So for like a good decade, I didn't even know that song was taken out and other people hadn't seen it. And for the VHS copy, if you watched the full screen version, you had it. If you watched the widescreen version, you didn't have it. But for reasons I think it's important. One, I like the song. Mm -hmm. Two, the transition's weird if you don't have it. Three, I think it's some really good Michael Caine acting because he, he is interacting with that scene because he knows what's happening since then what happened since then and so he does this thing where he's following her around and he actually sings part of the song mm. with her so she can't see him but he can see her and is singing with him really really emotional and upset by the fact that he knows what's happened to his life since then and it makes more sense that they're all sobbing at the end when you have this whole minute and a half song in between also that very last song in the movie um, the Love We Found uh -huh. is a reprise of this song that doesn't exist. Okay, yeah, it's exactly the same music. It's just they changed the Love We Found instead so, of the Love We Lost. Yeah, when, well, when Love is Gone. Or, yes. So why have a reprise for a song that you cut out of the movie? Because it's the final song. It's the ending of the movie. Yeah, and so it just it's a, it's a really weird thing. So even if you were going to cut out the song, they needed a better transition. Have her talk for a little longer some sort of interact longer interaction for them if you were going to cut out the song because it's just suddenly hey i'm breaking up with you bye everyone's sobbing mm -hmm. yeah all right so we've yeah. actually got to get moving otherwise this file is going to be too long to it's upload just, so that scene shouldn't have been cut i know so this this concludes the first ghost let's go on to the second which is a giant human-sized muppet clearly somebody inside oh yeah, well, he's bigger than human size. He's, like, the size of the room. Right, right, right. But, no, like, that's all no. camera well, yes. effects. The Muppet yes. is, you're right. He is shown as a, a oh, giant of a man. It. The actual Muppet is a costume a human is inside. Yeah. I will say of of the, care, the, the puppets that are new, that are not just repurposed old Muppets, this is my favorite looking one. Yeah. And some of the effects of filming it to make it look different sizes because it looks as small as a mouse in one mm -hmm. thing and it's big as the room and then it's human size and stuff and they have it slowly aging yes, throughout the scene. Yes, that is my favorite thing about be, this Muppet. It, yes. It's life is the span of this day. That is really cool. Yeah. He's also the Count. Is he? Yeah. 
But he never counts One, anything. Uh, uh, but, but but it's the same voice actor. Yes. But I and that was again Ugh. something else I read how how there are other versions of Christmas Carol where obviously the that ghost is supposed to age throughout the yeah. day, but this is the one, like, there are other versions that don't actually show him mm. aging throughout each different scene that you see him in. Yeah, yeah and it's... He I, just I kind just of like fades the... and dies out at the end, but this one you actually see his hair turning whiter yeah. and progressively. It's, it's and so I subtle at first, because, like, yeah. you see him in one scene, he's got full red hair, you see him in the next scene, and it's slightly silver in some places... It made me question, oh, has he always looked like that? Maybe I just didn't notice this the first time I saw him. And there's even slight voice change, and, and not as good as they do with the puppet, but there is slight voice acting changes to the end where he sounds weaker and stuff mm-hmm. at the very end mm-hmm. at the table scene. Yeah, so uh, in this the Christmas present, uh, he they sing a song where he's out in the town. He goes and visits. We won't discuss that again. It's fine. He, he goes out and he visited his nephew. Uh, did anyone else think that his nephew looked kind of like Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit it's, in the scene. He just, they just both look aggressively brave. And like this, this nephew is supposed to like love him, right? I get that in the, in the actual story, they kind it's of poke topper. fun at him here. Well, and in, in the, the, book it's a different character that does it it's Uh, a friend it's not the nephew it's topper and it's just i don't think they want to to add a different character mm -hmm. yeah it would have distracted but also like splits his character where you're not sure if he loves his uncle and is the only one who sees him that way or like he understands that he can poke fun at his uncle and that everybody kind of hates him yeah it's it's a little weird they could have added a little maybe he was a little annoyed by the fact that his uncle wouldn't um come to dinner or maybe a little annoyed that he went donate or some some sort of just a little line or something to explain why he's doing this at this time if they were going to get rid of topper but he has great hair all right we also get uh cratchit's house with uh miss piggy and daughters who look exactly like her and And the several frogs that it look exactly like kermit the well we can just all be grateful that the genes didn't mix in these children because oh, we don't want to know would have what been that abomination horrifying, would be. Like a green pig. I wonder if, it, it, I mean, at least they weren't tadpoles or something. Oh. <laughs> tadpoles with with pig noses. Oh Yeah, I, oh. I can't imagine how horrible. You don't want to know. You know they've experimented with that. Like they I had do. to have. Like, although, the, like all of the sun's eyes were just like normal eyes with the black pupil circle in the middle while kermit's eyes have like the pupil with a line through it yes thank you for mentioning it that's something i noticed here as well that line through kermit's eyes makes him seem like a much more heartwarming or like much more compassionate those it cold... gives his eyes life, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those cold eyes that are on all of his children with just a black dot in them, I found a little bit creepy. Maybe they don't gain a soul till they're an adult. <laughs> and they steal it from a child. Well, they gotta know if Tiny Tim's gonna live or die before they give him a soul. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So, this scene, I... The affection in this scene is... Uh, it is meant to be complete opposite of what you see at like the, the Christmas yet to come, the possible future. And it makes it all the more heartbreaking when you get there, because this scene starts with so much energy and so much love. And they do a really good job of communicating that. This, this is a very hard scene to watch. Yeah. Especially it, 
for for me, Mark's giving me a weird well, face. I think, it's just I think I agree with Mark that the second scene is much harder. The second because one, this is, one, I think is so this cool. one is a good scene and it makes the next one harder well, to well, watch. Unless for me, it's, it's like hard to watch the at the very end when Michael Caine's going to leave and he's like, "Is is Tiny Tim gonna live?" Oh. And he's like, "Oh yeah, I I see an empty chair." And he's like, "Can can we stay?" And everything starts going dark. Yeah. And he's like, "Nope, we don't get to stay. We get to leave now." Yeah, like, we have to go. Oh, good job. I'm dying. You need to meet death. He's the third <laughs> ghost. Oh. All right. So we have gotten by measures to this third ghost, which is made all the more horrifying because the narrator who's led us through the story up to this point is just like, well, goodbye, I'll see you at the finale. This part is too scary for me. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a good choice because... Yeah, I, th- I agree. I didn't we- really think about it the first time, but when you, the second time, it's like, you want to have that creepy, yeah. scary part of the film. You don't want to interrupt it with the little Muppet gags from Gonzo and Rizzo in between it, like we have in some of the right. other scenes. So, this like, is supposed to be spooky and show off that it's a sad, scary part of the movie. Right. And they do it really well, which, again, the first viewing, I was not expecting that. I was expecting this it's... story to be more like the way that Lego tells stories, where it's very in-depth. Every part of the story is still there, but, like, they're constantly poking fun at the story and inserting things. And, like, they're shooting chickens at people instead of arrows and bananas show up everywhere. Whereas, like, we see this ghost who is basically, like, the visage of death, the Grim Reaper. And I really wanted him to, like, take off the hood and it be Rolf or something. It's it's very weird to think about the fact that Muppet Jim Henson Company understands emotional storytelling better than some what would be considered serious filmmakers like it's very strange like because there are some themes that are like they are spot on in understanding this is what we need to make an emotional impact we need to get rid of this humor that we've inserted via the narrator this is not a time for humor this is a time for horror yeah and and having the ghost just be this hooded figure that does not talk, right. he just points. Just points. And having Michael Caine's character basically kind of babbling to him. Yeah. And and this is the most talking I think Scrooge does at like one time because he's he's talking more and more because he's getting no feedback and he's like it, it's kind of almost like what the the character does at the beginning when he's asking for an extension mm. on his loan where Scrooge isn't talking so he's talking more because he needs that feedback to know it's okay and it's kind of what Scrooge is doing. I need that feedback to know I'm not the one that's dead. Mm-hmm. And he's like, please tell me, please tell me, please tell me. And he's getting nothing back. Right. And it's this sense of growing panic. Yeah. Uh, this this part of the movie also introduces a character I could have done without, which is old Joe, who is a giant spider, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I did not care for. Well, I just never... <laughs> that scene to me in any version of this film, just... I. It... I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> just in general, it ju- I, it makes sense to have like pointing out, oh, here's his curtains from his bed. Here's his bed sheet, so that Scrooge can see it and realize, hey, those are mine. But at the same time, like the whole scene to me just doesn't fit in with the flow of the story. I guess. Well, I think the whole point of it is Scrooge thinks of himself as I'm just a businessman. I'm doing business things, and he doesn't quite realize. 
how much everyone hates him. Yeah. Well, how, why would everyone hate me? I'm just a businessman. Yeah. I'm just doing business. I'm doing business. Well, no. Other businessmen do this. People understand I'm businessman. And and this is kind of, well, no, <laughs> everyone superhero. hates you. You're the worst. <laughs> like, and this is the thing of seeing it from an outsider's perspective of, no, these people hate you. And now that you're dead, they can talk all of this trash about you. This is what they talk about you when you're not there mm-hmm. and don't hold this power over them. Yeah. Weird sidetrack. Businessman, I imagine, is wearing a leotard and a cape in his normal wear and then puts on a suit to become a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, businessman. <laughs> but yes, I I agree. To me this this scene is important in that it elucidates that like these people that Scrooge doesn't really care about, these these scum of the earth are just waiting for him to die and literally taking off the blanket that he died in that still has his warmth because they care that little about him. Like I it communicates that sense of like these people care for him smaller than they would just meeting a stranger on the street they hate him and i don't think you can get that kind of hate without this scene you don't really understand the depth of how much these people who scrooge doesn't interact with hate him without this scene but i think the scene right after this where he's asking uh you need to show me something good because without something good i will remember that scene for the rest of my life uh, and he goes to Bob Cratchit's house again, and, and it is dead quiet. Children. Well, he, at first he was all excited. Yeah. Oh, good, yes, this place is so happy. Thank you for bringing me here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this scene made me cry, with Kermit explaining the grave he has picked out for his son. I, I think in a way it's not a lie in the fact that he asked for someplace happy. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it is still a happy house. It's it's not a happy house like their yeah. child has died but in the same way right. this a, is a family that is going to still stay a family even though their child is dead right. and they're loving the person who yes. has died instead of hating the yes. person who has died and i think like the depth of this sadness with this character gone is even more pronounced because it's delivered by Kermit, who is like a harbinger of joy in most of the properties. Yes. But but we've gone some from some place from a place with a dead person who everyone hates him to a place where there is someone who has died where everyone cherishes them and everyone is talking about the good they have left in the world. And I think that's what makes this this scene more heartbreaking is the fact that Scrooge is realizing he has left nothing. He he is left nothing in the world whereas tiny tim who's been there for a couple years has left an enormous hole by his death Uh, an enormous hole and like everyone is talking in the way that tiny tim would have talked because they mentioned the first scene how he wants to go to church so that people can see him and they can remember the teachings of the bible that will uplift them and something kermit says in this scene where tiny tim is gone is that Simply, life is made of meetings and partings. That is the way he is accepting it, because that's the way Tiny Tim would see his own passing. And and, and the whole thing about the graveyard, it, it's it's on the hill, and, mm-hmm. and it would be beautiful. And he can see the ducks, because he ducks. loves the ducks. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And, and doing it in the Kermit voice, you're just like, oh, I'm going to yeah. cry, I'm going to start yeah. sobbing and in he this can moment. Get to see the, ducks, the ducks he loved the whole, in life. The whole speech, like... 
So for me, the speech is sad, and again, because it's from Kermit, who you're used to being the person who is hopeful and always bringing joy to the movie. But and then he starts singing the Rainbow Connection. And you go, you go from that, and the camera pans out, and it looks down on on oh, his the, chair with the, the crutch oh. and the hat sitting there, and that's the part that gets me more than the speech. Oh, oh it's such. Oh, you want it. You want to have a Muppet movie make you cry? This is the one for you. Oh my god. Jeez, yes. Alright, uh, so Thanks. the gravestone scene. Thanks, Brian Henson! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the tears on this wonderful Christmas day. <laughs> uh, so, we get to the gravestone scene where, the, again, the, the Grim Reaper is just pointing. We see a grave. There's something Michael Caine does as kind of like a, an afterthought where he like he points to another grave is like this one where it's clearly not the one that the, the Grim Reaper is pointing at. Michael Caine, this whole end Christmas uh, yet to come scene. G- good job, Michael yeah. Caine. Well done. And they get to the gravestone, which is covered in snow and he reveals it and it's his name. I was expecting another joke here because I deal with sadness with jokes. Uh, where I wanted him to get halfway through and be like, oh, it's only the grave of Evan Screw. It's fine. <laughs> no, they they do not let up in this scene. Yeah. It just keeps going. Oh, yeah. Which is, it's funny to me that they took out that other song because they thought it was too sad for children, but they put all this stuff in there. Oh, yeah, they... they- <laughs> This is a downer of a scene. But I mean, I guess the thing is, this this whole part is actually part of the original story where that song would have just been added on for I mean, their movie. It's interesting that they didn't add anything in there because it's not like in the book it's like one sentence that break up. It's, it's a pretty decent paragraph of her being like, you love money yeah. and you don't love me anymore and you kind of suck and have your <laughs> ring back. Bye-bye. Ugh. It's not short. There's a big yeah, chunk of that. I remember that. That's quite a lengthy scene. And, like, they shortened it to a couple of lines. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, this scene. This sequence <laughs> of scenes. Yeah. Which makes the ending all that more joyous because we have our, he has survived the night. And it is Christmas Day. And it's the happiest Michael Caine. And he opens the window, knocking Gonzo and Rizzo down to the hard cement yet again. <laughs> or cobblestone, what have but, you. But you have the happiest little bunny in the yes, world. Yes. Now, my note here is he, he says... Uh, go buy that turkey, which is twice the size of you. And that line means a lot less if it's a tiny bunny. Because, <laughs> like, twice the size of him is maybe a small turkey. But he's adorable. He's an adorable little bunny, and he's so happy. Oh, and he makes this child carry a chicken twice the size that he is all it's the way goose. to Bob Cratchit's. It's a goose. A goose. A goose, what have you. Oh, oh, don't they call it a turkey one time? I too? don't know. It's possible. Anyway, but we get a scene that I think is really great. That I think Michael Caine does really, really great with, which is when he goes to donate the money and he gives a ton of money to the charity mm-hmm. people and they give him the scarf and he, he takes the scarf and he puts it on and he says, thank you a thousand times. Thank you. There's something about the way Michael Caine accepts the scarf and puts it on that is just so heartwarming that I just love the way he does it. That I thought was so, just great. This is something that is really only relevant to me, I think. But I find Michael Caine smiling very creepy. Because <laughs> I <laughs> see because him. Is he doesn't smile a lot in movies? 
movies? No, I see him more stoic or like more sarcastic. It's very rare we see him like exuberant, exuberantly happy. It's true. He's not very happy. He's not a super cast as... And it's, it's really interesting because it goes back to the fact that why he took this film role in the first place. I read an interview on why he took this. And the fact that he when he did this movie, his daughter was about seven. And he, he thought back to the fact that I've done all these movies and I've never done a movie that my daughter can watch. <laughs> and that's why he did this movie. And he's talked about the fact that he loves this movie. And to this day, he still loves this movie. And it's, he loves the fact that he can watch it with his whole family and stuff. But but it is, it makes the fact that like, oh, this is a role that you don't see. But I love the fact and that he is so happy. I like, I think it's great. Because yeah. it's like, oh, it's something no. I've seen from Michael Caine. And- I love this next part that's coming up because... The part with the song? No, no, no. Not that. Oh, is Not it the that part with the nephew? So, well, we should talk about that. We'll go back to that. This part oh, is the prank my- he plays on Bob Cratchit. This oh. guy that he's just seen is like, I know your child is dying. I know I've been an ass to you, but let's quick. Let me pretend you're fired. Oh, yeah. The song comes before that. I The song does I come know. before But going back to the scarf real quick, yeah. I think maybe the reason I love this so much is... We talked about how horrible his childhood oh, is. Oh, yeah. And, and it's possible maybe this is, this the, is first the first Christmas real present? gift he's ever gotten. Yeah, because yeah, he did. He's like, for me? Really? Yeah. And and so that's just a really... And, but now he has this song. And Michael Caine is not necessarily a good singer. Nope. He is not. <laughs> I think he's done one other musical in his entire career. He did Dirty Rotten Scandals, mm. which weirdly was directed by Frank Oz. Oh. So it's full circle. <laughs> Um, but I think it's okay that he's not very good. He talks, sings most of it, but he's so happy in this scene that it kind of works. Cause I don't think you expect Scrooge to be like this perfect operatic singer. I think you just need him to be happy. Yeah. And, and, and it's a the, good song. I like During the song. the song is when in the background you see the Statler and Waldorf store go by. Oh, but I there's another one right towards the end of the song that I found that was called Micklewhite's. Oh, yeah, because that's his real name. Because that's Michael Caine's real name. No kidding. Is Maurice Micklewhite. That's really yeah. nice. So they used his name on a story Although, line in the background. not anymore because he got it legally changed. So, well, yes. you know, the first he time... He did it because he okay. it took too long to get through security. So the, the first time I was taking notes on this, and so I missed something really neat in this song that I only saw in the second viewing, where he goes to a room where an older Fozzie and an older Sam the Eagle yes! are sitting. And he gives them presents. And I just love that, like, Fozzie has one of those weird ear horns. And he's trying <laughs> oh, to yes. listen to the present as he's shaking it. Oh, it's just but, the nicest of touches. But you talked about being slightly disturbed by his smiling. So you yes. are the nephew because he goes to yes. give the gifts to the nephew. And he just looks so confused. Yes. And like, I don't understand what's happening. So I love this scene because his wife is there too. And the wife, the actress has just the nicest smile. Like yes. her She's face is incredible on board right to look away. at. And it's a complete contrast to the nephew's face. Just like, what is this? Is this a prank? Are you trying to yeah. ruin Christmas? What are you doing? Yeah, he he takes a little bit to get on board, but she's right away. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, this is nice," and he's like, "I oh, I don't oh, do, I don't know." Is, is my uncle ill? Yeah. Has something gone wrong? It's, he gets there eventually. It's almost that he's mad at the generosity. And if we take this one where he's been making fun of his uncle, this means he can't make fun of his uncle anymore. He has lost that thing that he does at parties that it delights people so much. 
Oh, okay. So then he goes to the house and he pretends to fight Cratchit, but then gives him a raise. Yeah. And Which, then they go in and I have mean, dinner. that part actually happens in the story too, except it yes. happens the next morning at the office. Yes. But, but then they go so, in and have dinner. So when they're having dinner, like every everyone in the town is either inside or outside singing. And for whatever reason, they have invited old Joe into their home. This horrible <laughs> creature who you is, would notice first that. of all, first of all, a spider. <laughs> and second of all, a scoundrel oh. who is like is a pawnbroker for the poor. Well, I guess that the whole you point know he's is gonna to steal be loving things. of everyone. He's got eight different arms to take things from their home when he leaves. So there's a real weird trivia in this one talking about, like, weird things. So, well, okay, also real weird. Scrooge steals Tiny Tim's line. Did you notice yes, this? Yes, I did notice that. Is it God that. bless us, everyone? Yes. Yeah, Scrooge okay. says it. Yeah, I um, did see that. But this is when we have the reprise that... Uh, with uh, the love we found, which I think is really nice. They're all sitting around the table and singing and eating mm-hmm. the giant goose turkey chicken. Maybe it's a turducken. It's probably a turducken. Turgoosen. <laughs> Turgoosen. <laughs> um, anyway, but, but then they pan out and in the walls singing with them for some reason is two lobsters. <laughs> Apparently... <laughs> yes. Yes. Apparently, this is a reference to a Dickens line in oh, a book, really? which is like bad lobster in a dark cellar. Oh, wow. I don't know what this means. Because I know they, well, I don't know what that means either, but I know they made another Dickens reference because at the very beginning, the first song, a mouse says, Please, sir, can yes, I have some, some cheese? cheese? Yes. I know this because I know that too, but that's because I'm very yeah. Oliver minded at the moment. But no, I yeah. looked this up and I'm like, Dickens had some real weird words. Yeah. He brought about the use of the word literally, figuratively. He's one of the first people that we know to use that. Dickens, what in the world with the lobster in a dark cellar? <laughs> what does Well, you mean? know, cellar door is the most pleasant phrase to hear. It's the weirdest thing. Anyway, um... The I think that closes end. up the story. Uh, one final thing I want to get in before we go into games is I had the Blu-ray copy of this. It's one of the very few movies that actually own on Blu-ray. And if you pause the movie, what happens is they take you to an intermission. And what this is, is it, it opens on a door. You hear knocking. The door opens. And it's one of 10, maybe 12 different movies where it's either like the rats or the Swedish chef or Fozzie Bear singing you Christmas carols. Oh. It is like the nicest. Oh. Now I have to get the Blu ray. <laughs> yeah, it's. Just to gorgeous. watch it on pause. I. Okay, so what did you think of the set for this? There, there were points that you could. Like, at least for me, when they did some of the wider shots, that you can just mm-hmm. see, like, the background is like. I mean, they use the forced perspective a lot, but also because you could just tell, like, it was fake background, like they were in a set somewhere. And yeah, I'm not sure know, if anybody else really... would have noticed that much, but I just, I, it just seems like, I, and I, it, it didn't bother me at all. It didn't take away from the movie. It, it's just you could tell that they weren't necessarily it real buildings. didn't bother so, me because it reminded me of Sesame Street. Yes, I was about to say the same thing. Is the universe that these Muppets exist in always kind of looks like that yeah like their stage is built so you can stick a hand through the floor and it doesn't look weird and so like i was just kind of that's kind of part and parcel what you get when you have muppets or it kind of reminds me of like when people have those like christmas villages yeah they have like set up on a table that kind of what it made me look at 
make me think of. And so it kind of fit with what it like a Christmas story should look like. So it didn't bother me. All right. But yeah, you with, could kind of tell. With that, let's go on to games. first game is the pitch game where we take two properties and shove them together and have this movie as the outcome in the form it's this meets this so i am going to start us off here so since a muppet christmas carol is a retelling of this classic dickens tale with some modern updates and a movie with a character going to the past, a possible present, and a preventable future, trying to make corrections to change what he's seeing. This is Scrooged meets the Back to the Future trilogy. Really? I knew the second one. The first one I thought was going to be something different. I think Scrooged is very on point. Yeah. Yeah, I'm mad about it. exactly why ah. I didn't use it. <laughs> All right. Uh, who's next? Sir, or no. Uh, Mark, what do you got? Is it me? It is. A movie set in London with a man who's made angry by the loss of his true love. And we also have the Muppets retelling a classic tale with the help of a big name actor. So we have Sweeney Todd meets Muppet Treasure Planet. Muppet Treasure, <laughs> Treasure Planet? Planet? Oh, hey, Muppet Treasure, Treasure Island, Island. My friend. I even wrote it down that way because... <laughs> Treasure I mean, Planet I, is not the same. You know movie. what? I would love to see a Muppet Treasure Planet. That would be pretty cool. I mean, I mean, Gonzo alien. is an alien, so it makes I mean, sense. They're both great movies. I yes. I think for some reason Treasure Planet is always the way it comes to my head. So <laughs> Treasure Planet is great. Yeah, with the planet Bob. Um, anyway, Sarah, what do you have? Because we have a retelling of Christmas Carol and people learning to be better due to the death of a child. We have Scrooge meets Pay It Forward. <laughs> yeah, that's probably one that neither Carl or I will have. Yeah, I don't I don't even know what Pay It Forward is. It had, uh, what's his name? Tiny Child from uh, Sixth Sense. Sixth oh, Sense. Haley Joe Osmond? Yeah, it was a terrible movie. I hated it. I've never really? seen it. Because I know him. I've I know he did The it. Sixth Sense and AI. I didn't know he did any other movies yeah, before well, giving did... it up and going to school. No, he did um, with Secondhand Lions, which was good. Yeah. It had Michael oh, Caine yeah. in it. That was a good movie. Okay. But yeah, pay yeah. it forward. He got stabbed. Good. All right. Uh... <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> good. I hate that guy. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we have... A London morality tale with characters going on magical adventures with camera effects and occasionally chimney sweeping. And a Christmas tale with a hardened curmudgeon learning his lessons and changing his ways thanks to an innocent child. We have Mary Poppins meets The Grinch Stole Christmas. Okay. I guess I can see that. Okay. <clears throat> a movie with Michael Caine being grumpy and hating everyone. So every Michael Caine In a slightly <laughs> comedic film. And a movie where a man strives for power, pushes away the woman he loves, regrets his decisions, and takes out his anger on everyone else, even his family, and in the end gives up his evil ways, we have Noises Off meets the Star Wars saga. <laughs> okay. Well done. I have a man is visited by a spirit to see a probable event and a retelling of a Charles Dickens tale. It is... It's a Wonderful Life meets Oliver and Company. 
<laughs> well, well done. You stole part of my last one, which is a Christmas tale with a supernatural creature showing a depressed character what life is like when he's not around, and a London-centered tale with an alien main character and otherworldly creatures bothering a common man, but everything working out in the end. It's It's a Wonderful Life meets any Doctor Who Christmas special. They had to have done a Dickens Doctor Who Christmas special, right? Oh, for sure. Like, I don't know if they go through, like, the necessary three ghosts motif, but yeah, they so many of his Christmas stories are set in, like, white Christmas era London. Not right. the song. Just I also like a realized white Christmas. I didn't write this down, so I didn't say it, but Star right, Wars also had a guy meet... with three ghosts that he talked to. Oh, it's shit. like the first one with Rose. <laughs> Yeah. Where the maid gets, like, possessed by the ghost and Dickens is just there and then he dies. Oh, right. Yes. And, yeah. So they, they talk to Charlie Dickens uh, and they sadly, think they're going to edit the timeline, but he dies, like, a month later. And he sadly doesn't look like Gonzo. Yeah. That's a real <laughs> shame. All right. Let's go on to our second game, which is alternate tagline, a word or phrase that you would see on the movie poster for this film uh, that would give you the theme of the movie, though hopefully missing the point. So this is where I normally tell you the actual taglines for this film, but I could find zero of them for this film. So we're going to have to come up with our own and... Anything we come up with will be better than what's there already. None of, uh, none of mine do the theme. They're just uh, so things. yeah. I don't love either of mine. It's incredibly hard either. to find an original theme that isn't already like is people <laughs> don't know well. So the first yeah, but the first one you will recognize. Uh, it kind of encapsulates the theme of this particular movie. Uh, so it's the Muppet Christmas Carol. It's time to sing the carols. It's time to put Scrooge right. It's time to add the Muppets to this Christmas tale tonight. That's all I got. And get I got sued for copyright laws. No, it's a parody, Mark. It's fair use. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not in love with either of mine. And I realize now that we didn't actually talk about one of the points that makes mine valid. So I'm going to say that one first so everyone can be confused about it. Got Dead. it. So I have The Muppet Christmas Carol, a movie with a slightly misleading title. <laughs> because the movie is not about a carol, and because what we partially talked about, it's not really about Christmas the way I saw it, because it was more about love <laughs> of other people okay. and the whole feeling that you get to make Christmas what it is. It wasn't about Christmas itself. Maybe Ebenezer Scrooge's middle name is Carol. Maybe. Mm. It's possible. Sarah, what you got? Uh, mine aren't really taglines so much as me just saying things. Good. Good and great. Good. Did you hear mine? It was so not a tagline. Mine is Muppet Christmas Carol doing dad proud. Aww. Because it was the first one yes. they did since yeah. Jim Henson died and Brian yeah. Henson took over. Oh, he didn't even talk about the shooting star, which was the oh, original yes! Jim Henson. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was that, and I also saw that that's the thing in a lot of their movies. When Kermit is on screen, there will be a By shooting himself. star. Yeah. Ah. All right. Well, so my next one, my final one, is kind of a mixture of the two catchphrases of the individual properties. So it is the Muppet Christmas Carol, Borkhamburg. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thank you. 
Uh, okay. My next one is The Muppet Christmas Carol, the classic tale retold through the magic of repetitive hand motions. Good and great. All right, Sarah, finish us off. Muppet Christmas Carol. God bless us, except for Jeffrey Kratzenberg for removing that one song. (laughs) Uh, God bless us all but one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go on to our third game, which is the TV Guide game. A description of the plot of the film you would see in a TV Guide or a Netflix description uh, describing the plot of the film, though hopefully missing the point. So I have for my first one, this is the story of a wealthy man being brainwashed into losing money due to a home invasion of three unwanted guests. Oh, yep. (laughs) Too much thinking. Okay, so... All right. In true spooky Halloween fashion, a man is haunted by three ghosts who force him to relive his worst memories, see painful visions of his closest acquaintances, and eventually witness his own death. Which makes sense because of when we're recording this, but no one yeah, will know we that. Will, we will talk about that come reviews. <laughs> Sarah, what do, you, what do you have? A man can't escape bad dreams because Thomas haven't been invented yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I've got uh, Charles Dickens is ignored, insulted, and thrown from windowsills while just trying to tell us a story. Two dead brothers heckle an old business partner from beyond the grave by sending their ghostly friends to pretend to be the spirits of Christmas as a practical joke. <laughs> Charles Dickens tortures his only friend. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Uh, everyone fails to acknowledge the creepiness of a wispy murder child whilst time travel cheats a woman out of a profitable blanket. <laughs> yep. All right, so that's going to close off games. Why don't we go on to reviews? So our first scale is the potato scale to tell you the emotional state of the mo- the movie, what you will feel while the watching movie. this. The movie. Uh, what you will feel while watching this film in terms of our relationships with potatoes. So why don't somebody else go first? What was A Muppet Christmas Carol in terms of potatoes? I already know mine because I was prepared. So go say yours then. I know mine too. Mashed potatoes and five guys. All right. Any particular reasons? It's a perfect movie. There's nothing wrong with it. Okay. Except for the version where they cut out that one scene. It's a perfect movie. (laughs) I think nothing's wrong with it. Except for the version where they have that one song. It's a perfect movie. No. No, It's perfect. We talked about this a little bit. I mean, just the... If they, especially the version with that song in there, there's just so much sadness and grief about this guy's life mm-hmm. growing up, and then the scenes at the end where it's all scary. So I had black mashed potatoes. Ah. Because, and the mashed potatoes are all about heartwarming because at the end you get the good feeling because he has changed and become a good person. Okay. Uh, so... I'm kind of all across the board here because I agree. It's like every I felt, type of potato. I yeah. Yes, it's an abomination. It's, no, but it's I, a pig frog. Because I watched it twice. I think I had different emotions the first time I watched it versus the second time because I knew what I was getting into. And we've talked about the issues I have with the first time viewing it and how you're wrong. 
Yeah, uh, but with for me, it would be sweet potatoes because it's not as expected. The Muppets aren't as prevalent because you expect it to be just the Muppets, but like they introduce new characters you've never seen before, and Scrooge is played by an actual human being. And so, like, a lot of screen time, you're not seeing the Muppets you bought the ticket to see. They are there, but they're not the highlight of the film. See? Um, uh, let me, let me, let me get Sorry, it made me think of something because there are ones that are more like that where it was yeah. like the the Muppet like Wizard I think of Oz just or the what? Muppet movie, yeah. No, but like the where it's it's taking another franchise and adapting it with the Muppets. It was like Muppet Wizard of Oz, where it's more mm-hmm. Muppety. Yeah, that's not a word. And I didn't like those ones at all. They always felt more babyish to me. Ah. And so it, it felt like they should have been made with Sesame Street characters rather than Muppets. Okay. Yeah, they don't. They do not talk down to their audience, which I in uh, I liked. Which is, I'm gonna do two other potatoes. One is like Mark said, the black potatoes. This is very troubling. I mean, like if you know Christmas Carol, you know how dark it is. I don't know if this is a like. I think this would scare a child. It's because um, Dickens had a horrible life, and he decided to force it onto his audience. But uh, I think mashed potatoes fits in there. But the other one I was going to go with, let me see if I can find it. Oh, it's potato casserole, where it has layers for different audiences. Did I, I think that one up? Yes, because uh, <laughs> it has layers, like an onion. Um, so uh, you have, like, Gonzo and Rizzo, which are there for comedic effect for children. You have the Dickens tale, which I think speaks more... Uh, to adults who have lived more of a life than a child has. <laughs> uh, it's so like, there's things for people to enjoy. Like the, the penguin scene, I think is more for children. I didn't get a lot out of it, but like that would keep a child entertained. I'm, so I'm, I think those, the couple that I did there uh, is what I'm going to go with. So I don't have like a neat thing. So I guess it was like a black sweet potato casserole. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if someday we Gross. will get the like middle ground of a Muppet adaptation of something else that is in the middle. Cause you've got this one that, that is a pretty straightforward adaptation that has a mm-hmm. Muppet and you've got the ones that are kind of, they're almost like very, very child like focused like the the ones I talked about, like I think there's a Wizard of Oz one. I think there's other ones that they were meant for kids, and then they just stuck in a a celebrity as the main mm. character. But it's all Muppets. Other than that, if there's some sort of middle ground, they'll come to someday. That's somewhere in between that 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 it has all of the Muppety in jokes, but it's not like kind of the talking down for children sort of humor. That it's like one and a half Muppets. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Someday now, we'll find that rainbow connection. Which which half of a Muppet would you like? <laughs> I just not a pig frog. Not oh, a pig frog. I think Another, that it worked uh, though for this one for me. Just like if if it yeah, was I'm just all talking, just like, the normal Muppets that you're used to, then see, this one I like. Tale cla- like it's a classic story would kind of feel out of place. See, with but all I'm of talking the for for the Carls of the world because yeah. I really like this one. Carl wanted a little more Muppets, but he probably right. wouldn't have liked the like. The but one like, that's a little more childy. I think there is, like, there are Muppets that could have fit the roles yeah. of the ghosts. I think for like, but see, I wouldn't Christmas have liked that. Present, you get like, what's the what's the big monster one that always gets left behind? Yeah. Oh, I see, but I wouldn't have liked that. This one is meant for me. You needed so this was like one Muppet, which I really mm-hmm. liked. You need like a Muppet and a half. Those yeah. like Wizard of Oz ones was like two Muppets, which I really would have hated. You probably mm-hmm. would have 
Yeah, hated not as much as me, far. but you wouldn't have liked. So you it's, need a muppet and a half. I need one muppet. It's a very slim needle that they have to thread, and like this worked for you, and if it's your needle perfectly my, mine my muppet of tea part of the scale anyway let's go on to our second <laughs> review which is a rewatchability scale from zero to ten telling people should they go back and see this film what do you guys have for the muppet christmas carol go ten damn <laughs> from downtown Switch. i don't know i i think that's maybe the first ten i've given i think the christmas carol is probably my favorite christmas movie well Second I gave favorite, it a 12 out of 10. It's, 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 it's one of my favorite Skewing Christmas movie scale. stories, and I've seen, like, almost every version of A Christmas Carol, probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, so yeah. It's, this is definitely my favorite version of Christmas Carol. Second below this is Scrooge. It's, well, and it speaks to me in particular, I think, because I, as none of the listeners will know, but you can see on the video how I never have lights on in my house. Yep. <laughs> so it's just interesting to me how I can watch it and kind of relate to Scrooge because he's always not spending money on things. <gasps> Mark is a miser. The dark it's was true. comforting because dark is cheap. Yep. Um, it's no, true. I, I did. I talked earlier about my family watches this every year. My mom watched this with me to this afternoon because we love it. I think my sister has a, a copy. Every member of my family like, has a copy. But she we still love hasn't it. hasn't seen for Nightmare family. Before Christmas because she's crazy. Oh, no, she watched it. She watched it like this weekend. <laughs> Uh, but so like this is this is my family's Christmas tradition. We watch this movie, except for my father, who hates happiness. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, so I watch this every year. I have the music on my phone. Twelve okay. out of ten, I love it. Everyone should watch it so, if you like joy and Muppets and happiness. If you like joy, all right. Uh, so I want to talk about the two different viewings that I had, and I think there's a good reason outside of the movie entirely while i why i did not connect with it the first time it's because you're a lizard person yes uh i have a lizard brain i'm very focused on needs and wants and not like frontal lobe activity no yeah (laughs) anyway uh but more to my point that i was trying to make (laughs) sorry is that we are recording this the the weekend before Halloween, which is the weekend people are going out to celebrate Halloween. And so I watched it earlier in the week before this weekend happened. And so I was trying to get into a Halloween spirit to get into the spookiness of this holiday. No, and Christmas this movie, always. This movie doesn't speak to that. It's a completely different theme. And so like... If I'm trying to get into Halloween, this is the wrong movie for it, clearly. Uh, Now, I watch it again today, which is the Sunday of the weekend, after I've gone out and experienced Halloween. Got that out of my system. Not even Halloween. And so, I was more receptive to a Christmas tale, because now I can move on from the holiday that has just passed. And I... Sorry, I'm going to interrupt. But, no, I, I... I have I didn't have trouble with it so much for that reason, but it was really strange to me to be watching it and be like, oh, but I'm not in the Christmas mood because we're not yes. to that holiday yet. See, so I'm I'm not the person that would put up like Christmas decorations in October, but if Hallmark had a Christmas movies channel every day of the year, which they probably Ooh. do, I just probably don't have it on my cable. Uh, I would watch yeah, don't them. Don't watch Hallmark movies. Yeah, why? I, oh, I, they are the I worst. love them. And they have the happy. worst dialogue. <laughs> I don't yes. care. It's but so like, terrible. I'm that person that would like, 
Christmas movies always they make me happy and it's and the romance. No, I think one of them literally had a line that was somewhere along the lines, and that's why I am telling you this. Are you sure I... that's not a lyric from Dreamgirls? <laughs> I don't know. I'm always a I'm Christmas you person too, but it anyway, was just anyway, weird anyway, let me to get watch to my it point in October. Scale, sorry. Please, we're in the middle. I'm of sorry, my you're review. a pumpkin person instead of a candy cane person. All right, all right. So it helps that my girlfriend's favorite holiday is Halloween. Anyways, I'm gonna go make her cry with a dog again. Oh God, you totally will. Okay, so watching it today, I was far more receptive to it, but I still found Christmas past creepy. And I still thought some of the songs were hard to get through. So for that for that reason, I am giving it an eight point five. Which it's brings still us a, around to it's the It's still like a 11. high score, but it's just not the highest score. So should you go back and watch it? Yes. If you're looking for a Christmas movie, especially one to watch with kids, this is the one to do it. Because yep. it's Muppets and it's safe. Now you will have to shield their eyes probably towards the end. When Gonzo and Rizzo leave, just close their eyes. It's fine. Or fast forward until death leaves. But yeah, I think 8.5 is where I'm at with this. All right, so that's going to close off our reviews. Sarah, do you want to tell people where they can find us online should they choose to do so? No, because I have to find my notebook. Good. Good and great. All right, you can find us at Facebook at Retrograding Podcast. You can find each other on Facebook at Retrograding Party Line. You can find our website at retrograding.fireside.fm. And if you want to send us a like, a review, or share at any of those places or at iTunes, can type us into iTunes. We're on the podcast place just at Retrograding. That'd be great. And if Carl wants to tell us our music. Yes, our music is done by Dominique Barnes. You can find her online on SoundCloud at Dominique A. Barnes if you'd like to contact her or hear more. Uh, so that's going to bring us to our final segment, which is, guys, I learned something today. So there's two lessons that I found in this film, one of which we touched on a bit, which is it's okay to scare children as long as it's culture. Uh, and the second is, of course, never eat singing food. All right, that is going to close us off for this episode of Retrograding. We'll see you next time. that let's go on to games no all right too bad how dare you okay what is happening um okay things i'm gonna eat an apple and try to figure out what this lobster thing means i'm always last really i i find we put mark last a bunch uh-uh. okay do you want to go second no i don't okay. care it had a dismal light about it, like a bad lobster in a dark cellar. It is. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. Okay. Wait, so. just like a <coughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, if I did have... that, then he could just cut it out. <laughs> <laughs>